Leadership Show with Andy Peck. It's great to welcome you to the show for Christians in Leadership, whether in a formal role or the influences we have in daily life, as we're salt and light where Christ has placed us. If you have a leadership role, it may well be that you've attended a leadership conference at some point. Talks and seminars at such event might look at topics such as leadership strategy, a leader's character, tips for leading or managing your team better. What is generally absent from such conferences, and especially even Christian conferences, is any look at theology. True, there may be some Bible input, but rarely any theological reflection on what we're doing. Indeed, many Christians in leadership would not regard this as an oversight at all. If they're in church leadership, they may well believe that they've studied theology as part of their training, but are now thrust into the real world as graduates without any need to return to their theology books. But someone who is challenging this idea that theology is not relevant is Alistair McGrath. He is the Andreas Idrius Professor of Science and Religion at the University of Oxford. Uh, He's an Anglican clergyman and, of course, a key contributor to the C.S. Lewis podcast on Premier Radio. He is the author of a new book, What's the Point of Theology? Wisdom, Wellbeing and Wonder, published by SPCK. And I'm delighted he's joining us today to look at the intersection between theology and leadership. So welcome, Alistair, to The Leadership Show. Andy, it's really great to be here. Fabulous. Uh, Now, I seem to recall you saying that your last book, which was your memoir through a grass, Darkly Journeys Through Science, Faith and Doubt, might be your very last, but you have obviously been tempted out of writing retirement to write this one. So uh, why was that? Well, um, Andy, I got lots of letters and emails uh, basically saying, will you please reconsider this? We'd we'd like you to keep writing. And uh, I I thought I ought to write this book because it's quite quite close to my heart. It's a book I'm writing at the end of my time as a professor at Oxford University. So kind of way, it's it's a good book to publish because it brings together a lot of ideas I've been having over the last 10 years. So um, I'm back. Well, (laughs) Uh, and I hope this book will be really helpful. Well, as someone who read you back in 1992, uh, your book Bridge Building, I'm delighted that that's the case. So um, so welcome back to writing anyway. um, But in your book, uh, Alistair, you're upfront about the negative vibe there is surrounding theology. Uh, You write of, in quotes, weird vocabulary, intellectual introversion and disconnection from the life of faith. Perhaps you could explain how you see theology in a more positive light. Well, sure, I'll do that in a moment. But I I do need to say these are real problems, that actually there are some theologians who don't really engage the Bible at all, who use a vocabulary that nobody can understand, and are asking questions that nobody's interested in. I I think these are all real problems. But for me, Theology is saying, here is what lies at the heart of the Christian faith. We've got to find ways of presenting this, explaining it, understanding it. And that's what theology tries to do. It's all about trying to capture this wonderful vision at the heart of our faith and help us to preach it, to enact it, to live our Christian lives. And the point I keep on making, which I think is an important point, is that if this, if we lose this vision of what really matters, what's at the heart of our faith, then in effect, we just become an organization which meets regularly, does various things, but the heartbeat has gone. So for me, theology preserves the heartbeat of faith. And for me, what theology is trying to do is say, look, let, let's 
understand how wonderful it is. And that will lead to more effective praise and prayer and adoration. And let's figure out how we're going to preach this to our, to our congregations, but also explain it to those who are outside the churches who need to hear this. And so for me, it really is very important. So to quote from your book, Alistair, um, in an increasingly pragmatic church culture, theology is widely seen by denominational managers as a waste of time and effort. Clergy should be told how to increase membership, not waste time studying theology. Obviously, you're quoting um, a, an opponent to the idea of theology. So how would you want to make the case for ongoing theological learning and reflection, particularly for Christians and leadership? I think a very good model here is medicine. I mean, medicine's obviously about, um, you know, bedside manner. It's about how you look after people. It's about how you get as many people through your surgery as quickly as you can. But there's a body of knowledge. There's, there's wisdom. There's something very significant you need to know to be a good doctor. And likewise, you know, if you, if you are leading a congregation, you can't just lead. You've got to say, I lead as someone who shares the Christian vision, and I want to share this with my congregation, I want to share it with those outside. And that means you really need to be immersed in scripture and a long tradition of Christian reflection on scriptures. It helps to understand what this is all about and how we can in effect, explain this, proclaim this most effectively. And that's why I kind of way talk about the parable of the uh, pearl of great price. It's a wonderful parable in Matthew 13. It's all about this merchant seeing this pearl and thinking, oh my goodness, it's so wonderful. I've got to have it. I'll, I'll sell everything to get it. And what I'm saying is theology preserves the wonder of that pearl of great price. That's what the gospel is. It's something wonderful. And we've got to make sure that we proclaim this, understand this as best we can, because this is our USP. This is what makes Christians Christian. And if we just spend all our time figuring out how to do things more efficiently or how to, in effect, help people to get into our churches, we are going to bring them in, but we won't have anything to give them. And theology keeps this vision alive. I'm not saying we forget about pastoral care or leadership strategies or anything like that. I'm saying we need to make sure that keeping this vision alive is really important for the survival of our churches and our faith. Sure. And, and of course, theology will define what the leadership is, what we're supposed to be doing in the first place. So, um, you know, there's a kind of a, an assumption, isn't there, in those who are urging people to be more efficient in their leadership or whatever, because they've got a a rubric that they're working to, but actually theology, or at least an understanding of scripture and, and the theological framework, will actually feed into what is what it is we're trying to do in the first place. I agree. Now, look, imagine, imagine you are running a wonderful um, uh, theme park full of animals, you know, like elephants and all these wonderful things. And you could say, look, um, come to our park. It's very nice. You'll enjoy yourself. And we look after you really well. We've got very good facilities. But people are coming because they want to see the animals. And, you know, it's like that the church. It, it, it's there because it's all about Christ and the community that arises from Christ. We've got to make sure we never lose sight of that. So, Alistair, my introduction outlined how many people see theology as divorced from leadership. Um, uh, we want to lead as Christians, but we don't want to be imitating world-based thinking, but need God's perspective. And I guess that's one of the reasons why we need theology. It is very much so. I mean, a lot of people who look into church from outside see it as some kind of club. 
And we, we say, no, no, it's not that. It is a community which is shaped by grace. It's where, yes, you join, but you join because you're going to be transformed. You're going to be, in effect, helped to grasp more about your faith and grow in your faith. It, it, it's not a club. It is much, much more than that. And that's true of so many things. I think what we need to do is see sermons not so much as inspirational talks, uh, but rather something which helps us to grasp how we can grow in our faith, how we can help others to grow. And that's why I think theology, when well done, is so important. Now, I agree with so many people. Often it is badly done. Let's agree on that. But nevertheless, it doesn't need to be like that. It can be well done. And in this book, what I try to do is to say, here are lots of good examples. Now, I mentioned people like J.I. Packer, lots of people like that who really help us to think about these things and really help us to build this big vision of faith. I think it was Stanley Harawas, um, the American theologian, who who spoke of the fact that uh, outsiders won't necessarily first grasp what the Christians are about, and that's okay. Um, I, I, obviously, we don't want to be unintelligible, but there is a sense in which part of the distance between the church and the world is that indeed there's there's some stuff that we need to enculturate into ourselves to understand it better. It's not a you can't you can't do Christianity in a bite-sized chunk, can we? No, you can't. And that's why churches are so important, because you come into a community and you hear them talking about Christ, you hear them talking about God, but you you stay with it. And as you stay, you absorb, you learn, you say, I'm getting this. I can see what this is all about. It is so exciting. But you can't do that in a seminar. It's all about growing. It's not just hearing what Christianity is. It's looking at people and saying, this is what Christianity does to these people. It gives them meaning and purpose. It's about wisdom, well-being, and wonder. And that's why I think the church is so important. It's, a, if you like, a little um, community of grace, which helps to model what the faith is all about. Um, in your book, uh, Alistair, you speak of the importance of reading and how you valued the approach of C.S. Lewis, who wrote of the importance of being able to see the world through other people's eyes. I'm wondering if there are particular authors you think might be a particular help to a, say a church leader facing the challenges of life, uh, church life particularly in the 21st century. Well, C.S. Lewis is a good place to start. I mean, for, for Lewis, what he's doing two things which I think are really important for all of us who try to preach or lead. Number one, he is very, very good at using language. He's very, very good at, in effect, saying, I've got to learn the language of my audience to be able to communicate with them. And therefore, what I need to do is to ask, how do I explain these ideas, but in their terms, so that I can connect with them? Because if I can't speak their language, I'm not going to be able to explain what this is all about. So that's one thing I think is really important. But the second thing that Lewis does is to say, look, if you're a poet or you're a preacher, the key thing you're saying is, I've seen something and I want to help you to see it as well. In other words, you have this vision and you're very excited by it and you want to share this. You want to draw other people into it. And that, I think, is really helpful to, to draw people in. Now, I mean, there are people other than Lewis, but Lewis is a very good start. But there are lots of people I could mention. I'm, I'm very much attracted to J.R. Packer, who writes very, very clearly. But there are many American pastor theologians who seem to have this gift of um, theological immersion and the ability to be able to, you know, to set the soul on fire, if you like, um, preaching is theology on fire. 
inspire. I think it's very, very exciting. And so that's why I think preachers are particularly important in helping people not simply to understand, but to be excited by the, the wonder of the Christian gospel. I think that's some, something of the sadness of uh, some preaching is that congregations kind of feel like the, the you know, the, the, the new curate or the, the new vicar um, is downloading the kind of contents of their of their lecture series that they've just you know <laughs> enculturated from a from a theological college and and are not really communicating that to today's audience. Um, Alistair, you quote John Barclay, uh, who claims that theology has a has no one for all form of discourse. Um, and I'm just wondering, this sounds dangerously like the postmodern idea that meaning is not in the text but in the reader. Perhaps you can explore a little bit what you see as the task of the preacher in applying theology to today's challenges? I think the problem is that um, as, as preachers, we have this wonderful privilege of being able to explain what the Christian faith is all about to our congregations. And to do that, we need to learn to speak their language. In effect, one of the things we're going to do is to move them beyond where we are, but we have to start where they are. And John Barclay is making the point that actually we can't simply repeat what the New Testament is saying. I, I could say to you, you know, we're justified by faith, Romans 5.1. That's wonderful. But you would then say, well, yes, but tell me what justification means and tell me what its implications are. And I would then have to explain that and open it up. And in doing that, I kind of way have to use language that goes beyond scripture to make sure I explain what scripture is actually saying. So it's not about, you know, I invent stuff. It's about trying to use words to convey the reality that lies behind them, that's at the heart of the New Testament. And the real problem, which I think many of you, our listeners will, 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 will know, is this. If you, listen, if you read old writers like uh, Martin Luther or John Calvin or John Wesley, there'll be points where you'll say, I think I know what they're meaning, but they're, they're using rather old-fashioned language, and I'm not sure that actually connects with me today. So you've got to update your language, not because the gospel's changing, but because the audience is changing and the language is shifting over time. That's one of the reasons why, you know, I, I love reading Cranmer and Tyndall and people, you know, English theologians of the 16th century, but I have to keep translating their old English into modern English. So I'm, I'm not being in the least bit postmodern. I'm really saying we have to learn the language of our audience and let that be a way of opening them up to the reality of what the scripture is saying. Uh, and certainly, of course, the Puritans particularly seem to have a grasp of the inner world and the inner uh, movings of, of God in their souls in a way perhaps modern people don't. They were more reflective. Um, and, and obviously that does translate to modern day because uh, although the culture is very different today, the human heart is, is you know, st still has the same battles. Absolutely. And the Puritans are a very important resource, I think, in um, connecting the head and the heart. Um, what would you say, Alistair, were the challenges of life today, particularly, that need theological reflection on, on the part of the Christian leader? Obviously, you're a professor of science and religion, so science will be one area and maybe medicine as well. Well, let me, let me give you some examples. I think this is a very good question. One of them is to, in effect, feel confident in the Christian faith, saying this is wonderful. This makes sense. It makes sense in itself. It makes sense of our world. And that's something that writers like C.S. Lewis really do bring out very, very well. And it helps us to see that when thinking about the relationship of, for example, Christianity and science, that actually 
um, we have something very distinct and important to say. Science is very, very good at telling us how things work. That's great. But we need to know what they mean, what we mean. And so if you like, um, science is very, very good, but is incomplete. It does not answer big questions like, why am I here? Science may help us understand how we came to be here. It doesn't tell us why we're here or what we're meant to be doing. So if you'd like, um, you could say that, that science and faith are like um, two lenses of a set of spectacles. Put them together, you get stereoscopic vision, you get depth, but you need them both. Understanding how the world works, understanding what it means. So for me, you know, you're, you really have a very, very important thing to say. Science is great, but it's incomplete. We need more than that. But I think there are other things we can say as well. And here's one of them. Very often, you know, when you live in a culture, you begin to be shaped by our culture. And one of the things I've noticed is that a lot of Christians are very influenced by the idea of achievement-based culture. In other words, um, my status, my value is determined by what I achieve. And it's very, very hard for Christians to avoid that. And that's why theology offers us this very, very powerful corrective to that. No, no, no. You are given something. And that is what is great. And that is what is going to transform you and enable you to do great things. So in effect, it's by receiving God's grace, you're able to do these wonderful things. But it's not so much you achieving, it's about God enabling you to do these things. So it's all about grace. So I think that's a very important point, because, again, many people do find themselves under pressure to achieve. I think what we need to try and say is be refreshed by the gospel, be renewed, make sure you're deeply rooted in your faith. And the fruit of that will follow in due course. It is when you are closest to God that you, in effect, will feel motivated and inspired to do those great things. So that's an example where a theological perspective, I think, does make some very important points in today's cultural situation. And I guess it's a little like the Apostle Paul at the start of his letters typically would spend most of his early, the early chapters will be reminding the readers of who they are in Christ before he then implores them to, you know, to live out their faith. He does. He's very, very clear. He, this is great news for you. Do you see how this helps you to think about who you are and what you do? So I think it's a wonderful way to begin a letter. Um, and would you have particular theologians that you go to, Alistair, um, from time to time? You've mentioned a few in the course of this conversation. People that you go back to to be refreshed yourself? Yes, there are people who I do keep going back to. I've mentioned Luther. I would certainly add John Calvin, who I think gives us a very robust understanding of faith. And I think I read other theologians, I think, for two reasons. One is because they really are helpful. They, they, they open things up very, very well. They give me lots of good ideas. But they also challenge me. And they challenge me to, to ask myself, have I really grasp this properly? Have I really explained this properly? Can I do better than I'm doing at the moment? So I think it's, it's both about receiving from these writers, but also being challenged to do better. So I find that helpful. It's always good to be, to be challenged like that, I think. And are you aware of authors or thinkers who combine kind of a, a leadership approach with theological reflection? Uh, I'm reflecting on the fact that actually Jesus mentions leadership very rarely in his in, in terms of his, the word leader in his teaching. And, um, you know, I, I mean, often in a negative fa fashion, of course, he tells the, um, his disciples not to lead like the Gentiles, for example. So uh, I'm just wondering who, 
who of the theological writers may might have touched on leadership as a topic? I think many theological writers tend to use the language of, of service or, or um, ministry rather than leadership. I think that the 20th century has seen a shift towards this idea of leadership, but certainly I think many theologians would say that, um, in effect, you are enabled to lead by grasping what it means to serve. And by looking at Christ's ministry of service, you begin to realize what, what particular kind of leadership Christians are being invited to enter into. In other words, it's not do this, do that, do that. It's rather, um, I want to share with you how I think God is able to take us and use us. And that's a very different idea, I think. So there are many um, writers who I think do this. I've been very taken by John Piper, who of course draws on the early American Puritan theologian, Jonathan Edwards, to really set out a very powerful vision of what leadership is and indeed what Christian service is all about. So there are lots of people out there who you can read who will find inspirational in thinking about these things. And what they are doing is they're not kind of way reading books like 101 really effective tips for leadership. It's much more about thinking about God's grace, about human nature, and realizing when you put all these together, you get an inspirational and realistic way of thinking about your role in helping God's people to grow in their faith. So if someone's listening who's maybe a church leader and they're taking on board the kind of things they say, maybe they'll get a copy of your book, um, what would be practically, how would they arrange their week so that this isn't just a, a clever idea which drifts away, but actually their theology becomes a bit more part of their uh, regular uh, life? Yeah, that's a great question. Let me begin by saying that... Um, these people are really important. They really are. Because if I can put it like this, um, a preacher like you just described is someone who in effect knows the Christian faith, is immersed in it, and knows their congregations and can see ways of making the connection. He, he can see what their concerns are, what their needs are, and he's able to speak to them as an interpreter. So the, the preacher is a hugely important resource because he's the, the bridge between scripture and this specific congregation. But I think what I would say is that you need to convert this into how you, how, how you organize your life. And what I find very, very helpful is to set aside some time to ask questions like, who have I been reading recently? What have I found in them? How do these help me keep going in times of struggle? How do these, in effect, give me a vision of what I am meant to be doing? How do they help me think about um, coping with the COVID situation. And many people are saying, look, what COVID has done is made us realize how vulnerable, how fragile we are. How to speak into those? You, you begin to ask some questions, you begin to look at some writers, you begin to take notes, and you begin to weave these into your sermons. And what I very often say to my students was, keep a book, a notebook, in which you write down people you've enjoyed reading, what they've said, and how you think you can weave that into your preaching. So it's not just you, it's you drawing on this theological richness and presenting it to your people. Well, Alistair, that's uh, some terrific tips, uh, which I'm sure people will find enormously helpful. So uh, the book is uh, What's the Point of Theology? Question mark. Wisdom, Wellbeing and Wonder. It's by SPCK. Uh, I'm sure it's available at all good bookshops. 
Well, let's hope so. But uh, <laughs> I really hope I really hope that um, listeners do enjoy reading it. I just want to say that uh, you know I, I've written it with people like you in mind because this this is something that may help you. And it's all about not becoming a theologian, but rather something even more exciting, which is, in effect, bringing the full richness of the Christian gospel to bear on the many challenges that we face. Well, Alistair, thank you so much for the book and for, for your uh, service of the Christian church in so many ways in, uh, in, in previous decades. So uh, much appreciate your time uh, on the show today. It's been great being with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. That was my conversation with Alistair McGrath and about his book, What's the Point of Theology? Alistair is spelled A-L-I-S-T-E-R, M, small c, big G, Grath, R-A-T-H. Hopefully you're convinced about the value of theology. And although my question's focused on church leaders for obvious reasons, we are all students of God as Christians and can all benefit from thinking through our faith. You'll probably know that it needn't cost the earth for you to explore things. The uh, websites such as Bible Gateway give you access to theology books absolutely free. It's also worth considering the fact that many of the UK's theological colleges have summer schools that you can attend. So if you're new to this or want to brush up on your theological understanding, why not check out any theological colleges that are not too far away from where you live and see if they have a summer school that you could attend. It's been good to have your company today. Uh, if you like what you've heard, you can, of course, find other conversations online via Premier's website, www.premier.org.uk, or the podcast platform where you're listening to this from. Uh, there'll be archive versions there too. Uh, and you can uh, look at the topic or choose the name that um, you've heard or perhaps and you'd like to hear uh, afresh the, their conversation. It was A.W. Tozer who said, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So theology helps us to think about God as he's revealed in scripture. So may you have a, a rich thought life as you go into the week and have words of life from a fresh heart as you encounter people in the week ahead. This is Andy Peck thanking you once again for joining me and hoping we connect again very soon. Bye for now. The Leadership Show with Andy Peck. To get in touch, email andy.peck at premier.org.uk.